Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades on five continents, culminated his ministry with a 21-year, book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called a life study. This life study is the basis of our program today, which includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's life study. Joining us again today on the program is Ed Marks. Ed, we're going to continue with our third message dealing with the two lines that run throughout the Bible, the line of life and the line of knowledge. Would you review for us again these two lines so that we're all starting off today's life study from the same point? Yes, these two lines actually go back to the two trees mentioned in Genesis chapter 2, where we have the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Beginning in Genesis 2, we can trace the line of the tree of life throughout the whole Bible. And we can also trace the line of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And uh, we have seen that the tree of life signifies God in Christ, wanting to be man's life, his life supply, and everything to man for man's enjoyment. We can see with the Old Testament seekers of God, firstly, they were ones who trusted in God, who depended on God, and who looked to God as their source in everything. And then in the New Testament, of course, we see that the Lord Jesus himself is the reality of the tree of life. He said, I am the life, and I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. And so he wanted all of us New Testament believers to enjoy him as life. And eventually this line of life ends in the New Jerusalem where we enjoy Christ as the tree of life and the river of life for eternity. Also, we have the line of knowledge throughout the Bible. And uh, as believers in Christ, we need to remember that this tree in Genesis 2 is not the tree of evil. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The word knowledge is there. This shows us that life is versus knowledge. It's one thing to know about God in an objective way. It's another thing to experience and enjoy God as life and everything subjectively. So we can also trace this line of knowledge throughout the Old Testament and throughout the New Testament. This is a negative line. This is the line of the opposers of God's economy and of God's way. This is the line of the persecutors of the genuine lovers of Christ. And this is the line that frustrates God's move. Even in 2 Corinthians 3, 6, this verse tells us the letter kills. This is the letter of dead knowledge. It kills. But the Spirit gives life. The line of knowledge ends with the lake of fire, but the line of life consummates with the new Jerusalem as the city of water. Thank you, Ed. Let's join Witness Lee now with today's life study of Genesis. If we read the Bible carefully, surely we can see throughout the whole Bible you have these two lines. The line of the tree of life and the line of the tree of knowledge. And the destination of the line of life will be the new Jerusalem. 
in the new Jerusalem, the tree of life will appear again. Not only appear, but also will appear with the river of the water of life. And this river of the water of life will throw the whole city. You can see the city really is a city of living water. This is the ultimate consummation of the line of the tree of life. And then the line of knowledge will end at the lake of fire. And that is a lake in contrast with a city. The city is a city of living water, and the lake is a lake of burning fire. We, as the redeemed people, are on the right line, but our walk, our work, it might be not on the red line. After we got saved, by what we shall believe, what can daily walk we shall have. The Bible warns again, be careful, you have to walk according to the Spirit. You have to work to sow the seed according to the Spirit. Otherwise, whatever you do will be burned. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 warns us we all are the builders of the church yet we have to be careful what material do we build. So we all have to be careful about ourselves and about our work and our work. We all have to stay on the right line and we all have to have our work, our daily work also on the Ed, let's break in. I think we should talk about this. This is a very sober warning, isn't it? As believers, the tendency can be to feel that after we're saved, we have a ticket to heaven. But we've just seen that according to Paul's warning in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, how we build and what, more specifically, what we build with is what is critical. It must be gold, silver, and precious stone, not with wood, grass, and stubble, or else our work could be burned. How can we be assured that we're building with the proper materials that are in the line of life and not with the materials that are of the line of knowledge? This is a very good question. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3 shows us that there is a possibility that we would build with two categories of material. One is gold, silver, and precious stones. The other is wood, grass, and stubble. And Paul points out, and this is quite obvious, that fire will burn wood, grass, and stubble. The fire of God's judgment will burn wood, grass, and stubble. But fire will not burn gold, silver, and precious stones. They stand the test of fire, which is the test of God's judgment. This is a warning to us as believers in Christ. 
Of course, we know that Christ is the unique foundation of God's building. The foundation has been laid. But as believers in Christ, we need to build upon that foundation. And what we should build with is gold, silver, and precious stones. What these three items signify are the various experiences of Christ in the virtues and attributes of the triune God. Gold signifies God the Father and His divine nature. Silver signifies Christ the Son and His redeeming work. And precious stones signifies the transforming work of the Spirit. Whenever we build the church, we have to build with the triune God as our material. In contrast to this are wood, grass, and stubble. Wood signifies the nature of the natural man. We should never build the church with our natural ability, our natural ways, our natural concept. Anything of our natural man, which doesn't match God's divine nature, will be judged by God. Also, grass signifies the fallen man or the man of the flesh. We should not bring anything fleshly or worldly into God's building. Finally, we have stubble. This is the work and living that issues from an earthen source and have nothing to do with the transforming work of the Spirit. I would say this subjectively, one good test of our work is this. In Genesis 2, there was the tree of life and a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden. At the flow of that river were precious materials, gold, delium, and onyx stone. In like manner, when we go to the New Jerusalem, we see the tree of life, we see the river of water of life. We also see that this city was built with gold, pearls, and precious stones. What this indicates is that the work that we do has to come out of the flow of the divine life within us. Anything that does not come out of the Lord as the Spirit flowing in us and out of us will not issue in God's building. Thank you. That's good fellowship, Ed. Let's return to Witness Lee with today's life study from Genesis. Now, I give you, in a very simple way, all the persons on this lion of life. We start the lion from Abel. What was the characteristic of Abel's life? He counted God in God's way. After Abel, you have Christ and Enos raised up to continue the line of life. And these two generations had a very particular point. That is, they started to call on the name of the Lord. If you read the original text, you could see the word call means what? Means Shout, cry, not just to pray. Romans 10 says, the Lord's rage, and to all that call upon his name. If you intend to enjoy the riches of the Lord, surely you have to call. To call on the name of the Lord is just to enjoy him to eat him at the tree of life. Now we come to Enoch. His characteristic was walking with God. And this walking with God tells us that Enoch 
was a person loving God. Then Noah followed his grandpa's steps. He also walked with God. By that walking with God, he got the vision. What God wanted to do in that age. Then we see Abraham. The God of glory appeared to him. When God called him, God didn't give him a direction. But Abraham was walking onward according to God's appearance. Not only Abraham, even his son Isaac and his grandson Jacob, these three generations all were the same. So God was called the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Now we come to Moses. God showed him a vision, a bush burning, yet it doesn't burn itself. Moses got to know that. My, from that time onward, Moses stopped his own knowledge, stopped his own way, stopped his own doing. In building the tabernacle, Moses was really one with God. He was not working in building the tabernacle, but enjoying God all the time. Do you know, if we are one with God, even we are ministering, even we are working, I tell you, this is not our laboring, but this is our enjoyment. Then we come to David. The secret of this man's life was that all the time he desired to dwell in the house of God, to enjoy the presence of God. Well, Ed, that was certainly a wonderful review of some of the men of God in the Old Testament who really enjoyed the line of life. Let's focus a little bit on calling on the Lord. Is this the same as praying to the Lord? And if not, how can we practice this? First of all, I would like to emphasize that the Bible shows us that all the Lord's seekers in the line of life were those who called on the name of the Lord. And this practice began from Enosh in Genesis 4.26. This is the first time calling on the name of the Lord is mentioned. And the name Enosh means frail mortal man. What this shows is when man realized he was frail, he was mortal, he was fragile, he was finite, that is when he began to call upon the name of Jehovah, the name of the one who is right, the eternal one. He began to call on the name of the Lord. And of course, we know the Lord is not frail. He's strong. He's not mortal. He's immortal. He's not fragile. He's unbreakable. So we need to be like Enosh, who realized that as frail mortal men, we need to be those day by day, moment by moment, continually calling on the name of the Lord. Now, there is a distinction between calling and praying to the Lord, and that is this. In the Hebrew language, the word for call here means to call out to, to cry unto, or to cry out. Now, if you go to the Greek word for call, this word means to invoke a person or to call a person by name in an audible way. 
And we know when we call upon a person's name, we get that person. For instance, my name is Ed Marks. If you were to call Ed Marks, I would say, yes, what do you want? Because when you call upon the name of that person, you get the person of that name. When the same way, when we call on the name of the Lord Jesus, we get the person of that name. Even in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3, Paul tells us, No one can say, Lord Jesus, except in the Holy Spirit. A wonderful way to be in the Holy Spirit is to say, Lord Jesus. We need to be those calling on the name of the Lord continually. And, of course, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 13, these are big verses on this matter. These verses tell us that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And verse 9 tells us that we need to confess with our mouth, Lord Jesus. This means we need to call on the Lord's name. We need to call audibly. And so calling on the name of the Lord can be included in prayer. But in this sense, it's distinct from prayer. Specifically, we can just call on the name of the Lord all day just by saying, Lord Jesus, oh, Lord Jesus. When we call, the Bible tells us we are in the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Ed. We're going to come back to this matter in much more detail when we get into chapter 4. But let's go back now and join our conclusion of today's life study with Witness Lee. Now we come to New Testament. And in the New Testament, the first person was Jesus. Surely Jesus was not only enjoying the tree of life, he was even the tree of life. He told us he came from the Father and he was living by the Father. He was not living according to knowledge. He was just doing things, walking, living according to the Father. The Father was his enjoyment. Then after him, we have the new husband, the believers. What is the destiny of us, the new husband believers? Just to abide in the Lord. And let the Lord abide in us. This simply means to enjoy the Lord. And he did tell us that we have to eat him. He that is me, even he shall live by me. We surely have to eat the Lord Jesus because today he is our tree of life. The tree of life was presented for life supply in the form of food. And the Lord Jesus in John chapter 6 also presented himself as life supply to us in the form of food. He said, I am the bride of life. And he said, also, my flesh is eatable and my blood is drinkable. You just eat of me, drink of me, then you will have the eternal life as your life supply. So eventually he said, he that eats me, even he shall live by me. This is the real enjoyment of the tree of life. Then, among the believers, there is an example, the Apostle Paul. Paul tells us that it is no more he, but Christ lives in him. Paul was over. Paul was crucified. Paul was buried. Now it is Jesus Christ who is living in Paul. And eventually he said, For me to live, 
this Christ. He surely enjoys Christ at the tree of life. And eventually, we come to the end of the Bible. Hallelujah. We come to the consummation of the tree of life. That is a city built up, which is called the New Jerusalem. And what is there at the center of the city? Just a river, a water of life, proceeding out of the throne of God. With the tree of life growing in the river on two sides. And eventually for eternity, our destiny, our portion will be just on the enjoyment of the tree of life. It is so good to see that the tree of life first mentioned in Genesis eventually becomes our eternal enjoyment in the New Jerusalem. But Ed, let's take a closer look at Witness Lee's quotation of John chapter 6 regarding eating the Lord in order to live by Him. This probably sounds strange to most of our ears. How can we eat the Lord today as the tree of life? In Genesis, the Lord's major concern was for man's eating. How man would eat would determine his destiny. So God prohibited him from eating the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and desired that man would eat the tree of life. Well, we know when we come to the book of John, the Lord Jesus reveals that he is the life. He's the reality of the tree of life. And in John chapter 6, he says, I am the bread of life, which is another form of the tree of life. He revealed that he was the bread of life. And then in verse 57, he says, He who eats me shall live because of me. John 6 is a very strong chapter where the Lord tells us we need to eat him so that we can live by him. When the Lord spoke this word, it says many of those who followed him said, This is a hard saying. And because of this, they didn't follow him any longer. But in this chapter, the Lord tells us how we can eat him. The Lord told us in verse 63 of this chapter, he said, The flesh profits nothing. It is the spirit who gives life. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. So what the Lord was saying here is, I'm not talking to you about eating my physical flesh. You need to enjoy me as your spiritual food. It is the Spirit who gives life. When the Lord resurrected, he became the life-giving Spirit. He became the Spirit who gives life. Now, how can we take in that Spirit who gives life? How can we get that Spirit into us to become our life supply? The next half of John six sixty-three, the Lord told us. He said, The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. It's by his words. His words are spirit and life. His words are the embodiment of himself as the life-giving spirit. Now, the way we can take in his words, which are spirit and life, is by exercising our spirit to pray over his words. Even what I would say is to pray, read his word. Ephesians 6, 17, and 18 tell us that we need to take God's word by means of all prayer. When we take the words of the Bible 
and pray them back to the Lord and pray over them with the exercise of our spirit, his words become food to us. And this is the way we eat the Lord. This is why Jeremiah said in chapter 15, verse 16, he said, thy words were found and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of our heart. We need to eat the Lord's words the way Jeremiah did by praying over and with God's words in the Bible. Thank you, Ed. You have been listening to the Life Study of Genesis with Witness Lee. If you would like more information about this program, then please call 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Or write to Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. You can also send us email at radio at lsm.org. For a free download of this program, or to find more information, visit us online at lsm.org. If you've enjoyed what you've heard from this Life Study of Genesis, then we encourage you to freely distribute this program. It's available in MP3 format. Again, it can be downloaded from lsm.org free of charge. Yeah.